Agua Jibebe is also a prime example. Um, all of the Bolsa Nova tunes on my album were arranged by an amazing Japanese-Brazilian guitarist that's based in Japan. Mm -hmm. And um, I met him before I started work on the album with Nanny, and uh, you know, he just thought he would be a great addition to our album in terms yeah. of his arrangement. And he also plays guitar amazingly, just beautiful. And if you listen to the album, you'll see that. But um, on this episode of Playtime, jazz vocalist Karuna Shinsho, I'm your host, author, artist, and playwright W.C. Turk. is just a single word to describe to love again the 2021 album from jazz vocalist Karunishin Cho. That word would be romance. The album pays special tribute featuring three songs by the late Brazilian composer and father of the bossa nova, Antonio Carlos Jobim. The website is karunasings.com. The album is a finalist for Jazz Album of the Year at the Whammy Awards in Washington, D.C., whammysdc.org. Feels like we've been here before. <laughs> it's very nice do, to meet you and um, <laughs> wonderful to be here. Talking do, do, you, do you believe in deja vu? <laughs> now I do. <laughs> All right. You'll, you'll be arriving with a massive truck and, uh, and car convoy, which I hear has been circling. Your fans have been circling the D.C. Metro for the last two weeks. I don't know if they're my fans, but uh, yes, I'm, I'm very happy to talk about my album with you. And hopefully we will have more people that will listen to my music. <laughs> indeed, indeed. And, and hopefully, hopefully we'll, we'll listen. We'll, we'll have more people listening to this piece than our earlier interview, <laughs> which was which is two. There's a sort of direct democracy in choosing finalists for the whammies. Talk about that process a little bit. Give people an idea of that process. Yes. So the whammies uh, are the local version of the Grammys, mm -hmm. and uh, they recognize artists here in what we call the DMV region, which is D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. Mm -hmm. And because I'm from this region, I was able to submit my album to Love Again. And um, what's great is that the first round of voting is basically by just the people out there. And so um, I was pleasantly surprised that um, my album became one of the top eight finalists yeah. um, best jazz album uh, for this year and then um, the second round of voting which uh, will be basically done by music industry professionals and then on March 26th is the whammy awards show and they will announce the winner of not just this category, but all the other genres that they uh, cover at the awards show. You're up against a pretty impressive field of artists. There's, uh, there's a great vocalist, Alex Hamburger, saxophonist, Stephen Garrison. Aaron Myers uh, has put out a, a, great, a great album, ostensibly about modern day Jim Crow. Wes Felton, who's, who's out by, I, I really enjoy, but it might be more hip hop and, and R&B. to see the competition yeah, yeah. Um, there it's very eclectic uh, very interesting how they chose um, what what uh, constitutes mm -hmm. a jazz album mm -hmm. um, I can only speak for mine and um, I, I can say that it's a compilation of not just jazz standards American jazz standards but also bossa nova what's unique is not just the arrangements but that I also sing the songs either in English, Portuguese, or Japanese. So I think in that sense, it's a very unique album and, and also has the ability to reach out to, you know, more audiences around the world. 
You were born in Hawaii. Yes. So I was born in Hawaii because my parents, who are originally from Japan, went to Hawaii um, in the late 60s to study at the graduate school at the University of Hawaii. Uh, they met, got married, and then I was born. And um, I was there until I was 13. And then because of family circumstances, uh, moved to Japan in my teens, went to college, started work there, and then uh, moved around quite a bit through uh, my marriage with a diplomat. And then eventually settled here uh, with my two boys after my divorce and mm -hmm. here as a being interviewed as a, as a jazz vocalist. <laughs> How did you get to to being a jazz vocalist? Your dad was was a classical music DJ. You, you grew up in the 70s or 80s where you could have gone a lot of directions with pop music. Talk about your father's influence on your musical education? Yes, I think because my father was a classical music DJ, you know, music was, I grew up with music around the house. Um, he would get free LPs, uh, not just classical music, but, you know, all kinds of genres of music uh, LPs. So I'd grow up listening to them. Yeah. And he would also get free tickets to go see uh, concerts. And so as a little girl, he would take me to uh, these concerts. And so I was exposed to music very, very early on. Um, but my love affair with jazz started in college when I was in Japan. At that time, I had a producer. Uh, I was working at NHK television there as a journalist at that time. Mm -hmm. Japanese producer was a huge fan of jazz. And so he took me around to a lot of the jazz clubs in Tokyo. And at one of the clubs, uh, one evening, I was fortunate enough to see the late, great Nancy Wilson sing. Mm -hmm. I was just so blown away by her uh, singing. She's such an um, expert song stylist. She even uh -huh. calls her a song stylist rather than a jazz vocalist. Able to really paint a picture through her song. And so I was so able to vividly see what she was singing and just so impressed by that. You're so late getting home from the office. Did you miss your train? Were you caught in the rain? No, don't bother to explain. Can I fix you a quick martini? As a matter of fact, I'll have one with you. For to tell you the truth, I've had quite a... Uh, friends of this show, uh, Johnny Bergen and Stephanie Tice, uh, do a podcast. Uh, they also put out an album called No Border, no Border Blues that showcases Japanese blues artists in Japan. But the jazz in Japan has far deeper roots. I, I recently came across a recording, the first jazz recording in Japan, the Nido Jazz Band, J-A-S-S -S Band from 1925 uh, and a recording of Walla Walla. article that stops short on describing the history of, of jazz in, in Japan and how they ascribed it to American soldiers flooding Japan with jazz and swing and big band albums. But there's a greater history to jazz that goes back almost almost 100 years when it was still it was still a, a nascent invention in this country and recorded music was only just a couple of years old. And then here in 1925, we find jazz record, records popping up in Japan. But there's a natural affinity, I think, between traditional Japanese music and, and jazz. Am I, am I right on that? 
It's really interesting. Yes, it's, uh, I, I would say the Japanese, maybe sometimes more than Americans, have a deeper appreciation of jazz. Yeah. Um, they have a lot of clubs there, uh, lots of people playing jazz yeah. uh, at home and, and at stores and at restaurants. Of course, we have a lot of famous artists from overseas coming to Japan as well. But mm-hmm. talk to a lot of these jazz enthusiasts. I mean, they know their history of jazz. It's amazing Absolutely. that we talk about this like experts. You know, and then, of course, you have a lot of Japanese jazz musicians now, you know, making it overseas as well. The young ones, you know, we're not just talking about the older generation like Sadao Watanabe that you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, uh, those those uh, artists, um, mm-hmm. we have Hiroshi have- Suzuki. Exactly. Um, yeah. To- yeah. Yeah. Right. Tosh- Toshiko. Uh, was it Toshiko? Um, uh, uh, Toshiko uh, Akiyoshi. Yes, exactly. Excuse, so, excuse my Chicago accent. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, uh, you know, they um, are doing very well overseas as well and being recognized uh, in their own right in, yeah. in um, you know, the jazz capitals of the United States, like in New York. You, you share, you, you, you mentioned Nancy Wilson, you share a, a playfully sultry vocal style you have these beautiful sustained notes you you came to singing a bit later in in life talk about that journey i think i always enjoyed singing but never thought that i would ever really do it it yes. just happened that you know life life happens right and and certain things happen in life that kind of change the direction of where you go and so I think in my case, after I left television, I was married, had two kids, and then I got divorced. And mm-hmm. that divorce was a, as a, it was a big turning point for me um, at that time. You know, it was a very difficult time. I'd been married for 15 years, and then all of a sudden my marriage imploded. And, uh, and you slammed the door and said, I'm doing jazz and walked out. Yeah, and you, you think to yourself, you know... Uh, well, you, I think your confidence level goes down as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Happens. And so it was, um, it was about finding myself again, and then also finding what brought me joy. And to me, um, jazz was always something that brought me joy. Yeah. Um, and so I decided, okay, you know, maybe I'll, I'll study jazz. So initially, I kind of looked for courses because I was still raising two boys then that they were still home with me. So it's not like I could pursue this full time, but I knew that I wanted to study it and do it. So um, I found a jazz vocal workshop locally and then started studying um, then. And then um, one thing led to another. And then I met my producer of my album through one of the workshops that he was giving locally. Nanny Assis. Nanny Assis. Yes, he's a Brazilian um, musician, composer, amazing friend. Um, He was giving a workshop on the Brazilian percussive instrument called the pandeiro. And um, uh, along with jazz, I also fell in love with uh, the music of Brazil, Bossa Nova, Mm -hmm. and listening to artists like Joao Gilberto, Antonio Carlos Jobim, Rosa Passos, etc., so uh, I went to this workshop to, to try to uh, deepen my knowledge of the music of that country. And mm-hmm. I met Annie mm-hmm. and uh, we just hit it off, became good friends. And then, you know, we were just sort of jokingly talking about, yeah, maybe we should record a few songs. And then that recording a few songs turned into let's do an album. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. That's kind of how it started, like a crazy idea that that somehow worked. Um, was it always was it always a dream or or a fantasy or in the back of your mind that one day you would like to get up on stage and perform? I think um, interestingly, throughout my life, everything that I did perhaps led up to this point because yeah. in some ways, what I did before this, for example, in my high school years, I was a very serious ballet dancer. Mm-hmm. And I almost um, pursued that. But then my Asian parents were very adamant about me not being a starving artist. So they discouraged <laughs> me from becoming a ballet dancer and told me I had to go to college. So high school, I was on the stage dancing. And then uh, from college onwards, I became a broadcast journalist working for a number of international organizations, including 
uh, CNN. And in some ways, I don't want to say it's performing, of course, because yeah. as a journalist, you obviously want to, you know, it's not performing. But in some ways, television is about performance. You know, how do you conduct yourself on television? Because people are watching you. É pau, é pedra, é o fim do caminho. É o mestre de toco, é um pouco sozinho. É um caco de vidro, é a vida, eu sou. É a noite, é a morte, é o nosso anzol. É peroba do campo, é um nó na madeira. Caingá, candeia, é matita pereira. Madeira de vento, tombo da ribanceira. É o um mistério profundo, é o queiro, não queira. É o vento ventando, é o fim da ladeira. É a viga, é o vão, festa da cumiera. Yeah, I now enjoy being on stage, doing something that really I love and yeah. I, brings me joy. And um, uh, singing was kind of a form of healing for me and, um, you know, really helped me to, to find myself and, and turn something negative into positive. And so uh, I guess that's, that's where I am today now, where I'm able to share that story and hopefully can inspire others to pursue their passion, no matter how old you are. The Bossa Nova, uh, Bossa Nova rhythms rather, uh, are at the core of this album. You pay particular homage to uh, Tom Jobim with three songs, Cupinos Cruzados, Agua J. Beber, and Aguas J. Marco. Do, do you dance? I do love to dance. Um, okay. I did ballet when I was growing up, but I, uh, I also love yeah. to just dance in general. And I think, yeah. um, as you are aware, um, Brazilian rhythm, you know, samba and and bossa nova is um, is really special. You know, for me, bossa nova is really like that feeling of being in a boat, um, you know, on a calm, uh, sunny day, and it's just kind of rocking. Uh, on the waves of the ocean, and that, that's kind of the feeling I get when I'm listening to Bossa Nova. É a viga, é o vão, festa da cumiera. É a chuva chovendo, a conversa ribeira. Das águas de março, é o fim da canseira. É o pé, é o chão, é a marcha estradeira. Sarinho na mão, pedra de atiradeira. É uma ave no céu, é uma ave no chão. É uma fonte, é um pedaço de pão É o fundo do poço, é o fim do caminho No rosto um desgosto, é um pouco sozinho É um step, é um prego, é uma conta, é um ponto É um Caminos Cruzados, uh, in, in particular uh, where, where you measure out the steps in the song Musically and lyrically that You mean these songs to be very danceable say that you know it it takes a team in order to to produce um yeah. these songs and this album of course too i think the rhythm that you're talking about in the brazilian tunes of this album mm -hmm. uh, basically the the musicians are all brazilian you know i i had a japanese american um guitarist he was uh marcelo kimura he was the arranger of all of my bolsa nova tunes on the album incredible arrangements that he did yeah. amazing guitarist as well as you probably have heard on the songs mm -hmm. uh, nanny assis my producer plays all the percussive instruments on mm -hmm. the brazilian tunes uh he sings on two of the songs as well uh leo lucini he is uh the bass player as well and then um uh danny assis which is the son of nanny assis uh, also sings on a few of the tunes too yeah i think i think the authenticity uh, uh, of the rhythm uh comes from those mus musicians 
And the authenticity of my interpretation is really thanks to being immersed in the uh, sort of Brazilian environment because of those musicians. Nanny was very, very strict about me um, getting the pronunciation of my Portuguese to near uh, authentic, you know, uh -huh. like a Brazilian would, would, would speak. Uh, he was very adamant about that. And I, I also want to honor the language by trying to be as authentic and genuine as possible. With People will call you on that. The, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I studied Spanish when I was younger, so I, I, I kind of know Spanish, but Portuguese is very different. It's very know? different, it's yeah. Word, pronunciation, very different from Spanish. So, so yeah, it is really important. I've, I've heard some people, you know, butchering the Portuguese language. <laughs> I just didn't want that to happen because it just takes away from, from the song, it right? It does, so. it does. And you, you, sell, you sell these songs beautifully, by the way. I want, I want to talk about your voice a little bit and and read this a delightful new singer karuna shinsho is a cool breeze on a sweltering day she refreshes brazilian and american evergreens making them sound new again agua j Baber is marvelous i have it on repeat that's from john Hass, the curator emeritus of american music at the smithsonian uh, and he's also a duke ellington biographer that has got to be an amazing feeling to have someone of, of John Hass's position say that about you. Yes. So um, I have a number. First of album, by the way. Yes, I have a number of quotes from the album uh, from just amazing yeah, yeah. musicians or critics, and uh, I'm just very honored that they would even offer that for me. Um, and I also have to say that I was very honored to have um, world-renowned musicians yeah. to be on the album. Um, and I think that's what, you know, makes the album great, too, is that I have just an amazing support team mm -hmm. uh, behind me. You know, I have uh, Vincent Herring, a um, uh, great sax saxophonist, great jazz drummer Carl Allen, Taku Hirano, and my fellow Japanese-American brother in music. Um, he <laughs> He's uh, not not uh, originally a jazz musician per se, although he just came out with his own jazz album recently. But he's um, you know very famous playing percussion for Stevie Nicks, Michael Jackson, Whitney Houston, Lionel Richie. So people of that caliber agreeing to be on my album, very honored. I think um, just like my producer Nanny. You is know, it is it a little is it a little daunting playing with uh, with that caliber of of musicianship? Yes. So yeah. I, um, you know, I'm, I'm grateful. I think that they saw something in me, a potential yeah. perhaps that they wanted to um, be a part of. So um, I think that's one thing. The other thing is that, yes, um, it did definitely put pressure on me to, to not let these people down because, you know, they're lending their credibility to my album and I, I can't let them down. So it did actually inspire me and push me to do the best that I could. So I really worked hard. I mean, this album was three years in the making, you know, from concept to release. Wow. And Vinha cantando alegremente, quem? Quando uma reca sorridente pede Pra entrar também no samba, no samba, no samba O caço Gostou da dupla, fez também, quem? Olhou pra cis e disse assim, bem Que o quarteto ficará bem Muito bom, muito bem Na beira da lagoa Foram ensaiar para começar the pandemic, there was a silver lining to it. Because of the pandemic, you know, um, venues were closed. So mm -hmm. we could all focus on our own projects like yep. this. The musicians who normally would be super busy were actually available. Available, yeah, yeah. Oh, that also helped too. So in many ways, um, you know, I don't wish a pandemic on anybody or any country, <laughs> but um, it, there, there were some silver linings. So you, you're working with all these great musicians uh, and then with just in time, you sweep them all away and just keep the bass player. 
Yeah, I, you know, it's um, I had heard an album by a European jazz singer. Basically, when I heard that album, it was just her voice and a bass player. And yeah. I thought it was such a um, intimate recording. Mm-hmm. And I kind of wanted to uh, replicate that at least one song, you know, yeah. in the album. And so uh, on Just In Time, I have a New York-based uh, bass player, uh, Eric Wheeler. He's mm-hmm. the upright bass, and it's just me singing. Just in time, I found you just in time. Before you came, my time was running low. I was lost, the losing dice were tossed. My bridges all were crossed, no place to go. Now you're here, now I know just where I'm going. No more doubt or fear, I found my way. For love came just in time, you found me. Yeah, it was very challenging because you're really vulnerable, right? Because you have other musicians. Uh, instruments, you know, kind of uh, covering up maybe <laughs> some of the mistakes you might have. You know, it's just very vulnerable. But yet at the same time, I think because it is vulnerable, I think people can, you know, relate to it in a special way. So when you recorded that, did he lay down the baseline first and, and then and then you you record over, over the baseline? Because there there's a tendency for for singers to want to follow that baseline especially something as strong as a standalone baseline funny that you should ask that now that i think about it that particular song was right before the pandemic well actually the pandemic really started before the shutdown we just didn't know about it but uh, yeah. we're recording it in march and that's when things basically just right after that just shut down so we did record that uh in the studio together yeah. Um, but a lot of the other songs after that, um, because of the pandemic, we weren't able to bring the musicians together. Yeah. Um, so through technology, thankfully, we were able to have people in musicians in Tokyo, New York, L.A., um, in D.C., and were able to record their parts. And mm-hmm. then I would go into the studio and record my voice um and then you know we mixed and mastered it together so you know it's not the ideal obviously we we want to be able to um do it all together so we can you know see each other hear each other and be in the moment but obviously with the pandemic it was impossible so we had to improvise you celebrate your japanese heritage with with two songs in particular uh nehum uh or nobody and I mean, you, Thelonious Monk standard, which I, I know we, we talked about earlier. There's a lyrical version of that song. I, I only know the Thelonious uh, Monk song. So I thought I thought just adding words, let alone let alone in Japanese, was daring enough. Talk about the decision to render the lyrics for those two songs in Japanese. So this is basically all thanks to my producer, Nanny, who never allowed me to sit on my bottom. And, uh, (laughs) you know, he worked me hard the last few years um, prior to the release of the album. Um, You know, not only did he make me uh, work on my Portuguese, but he also Mm -hmm. pushed me to write my own lyrics, you know, on Mm -hmm. my first album. never imagined that I would write lyrics to two songs and in Japanese. Um, Neum is his original composition. There's already Portuguese lyrics to it. Beautiful, interesting tune. So I was uh, honored to be able to write Japanese lyrics to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I Mean You. I mean, Thelonious Monk tunes are just difficult to play as a musician to begin yeah. with, and then to have to write lyrics to it. I actually used Carmen McRae as as he, she's one of my favorite vocalists as well. Mm-hmm, I use mm-hmm. her rendition of it. There's English lyrics already and kind of um, extrapolated from that and, and made my own lyrics in Japanese. And basically it's talking about, you know, don't doubt me. I really love you. I mean, you, you, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's kind of the vibe um, and, and the, the sort of lyrical push that I had for that song. Yo, 
からコーヒーの気持ちをあんたがいなければ寂しいよそうじゃない今まで遊んでたよ真剣に考えなくてよかった私のハートをあなたが掴んだ最後のチャンスだな愛してるよそうじゃない Talking about the history of jazz in Japan earlier, there feels to me a, a natural affinity between,、uh, between the Japanese language and lyricism and jazz music. And I think that song is, is a sublime illustration of, of the marriage of those two powerhouse forces. Yeah, it's interesting about lyrics, and, and Japanese is my second language. So yeah, yeah. It, it's My first, and maybe some Japanese people will listen to it and think, oh, that doesn't sound right. But I try to make it as authentic as possible. Plus, I also ask my mom, you know, <laughs> to,、uh, to kind of read my lyrics, and, and she kind of said, okay, that sounds okay.、Uh, so、um, there is that. I don't know, writing lyrics really surprisingly didn't come、yeah. difficult to me. I think、yeah. because of my background as a journalist, I had to write my own scripts when I was、yeah. working on television. Uh, and I also actually enjoy writing、um, poetry in English, but、yeah. I don't write in Japanese. But、um, I think because of that natural affinity to writing, writing the lyrics wasn't too difficult for yeah. me. Yeah. It's interesting. Japanese,、um, it can be complicated because,、yeah. um, you know, there's a, it's a very indirect language compared、mm-hmm. to English. Chinese is very similar to English in terms of grammatical structure.、Mm-hmm. It's always kind of action,、uh, subject verb action.、Mm-hmm. So, you know, what you hear, you pretty much understand what someone is saying. You know, it's very clear, very direct. Japanese is a very indirect language. You know, you, you always hear about Japanese being very polite society. They don't really, you know, tell you what's on their mind.、Mm-hmm. And even Structure of the language grammatically, you don't find out the verb until the very end of the sentence. So、right. sometimes, until they finish the sentence, you kind of don't know what they're trying to say. So I think there is that. There's also、uh, feminine and masculine as well in in the language and honorifics, depending on what level you are in in, in the hierarchy. Of Japanese society, the, the, the way you speak to someone that's below you or above you, so to speak, is very、mm-hmm. different. I think, in that sense, it's, it's challenging to write lyrics. And also, I think the challenge of writing lyrics to an already existing tune is very difficult, right? Because you have to fit it into that、yes. melody, right? And so,、yeah. that, that, I guess, if I were to talk about a challenge, that's the challenge to find you might have great lyrics or words that you want to put. Put into onto that melody, but if、uh-huh. it doesn't fit, you can't use it. So, that, that I think that was the challenge for me was to try to get the best. It fits, and, and I mean you, it fits. I think it, it helps to step up that extra little bit of swing that's imbued、mm-hmm. in that song. Steve March Torme,、uh, Mel Torme's son, is, is, a, is a dear friend, lives not too far from here, actually.、Okay. Um, we talked about swing, just his dad was known for swing. But we, we talked about swing and that you can't fake it. And, and again, I'll say this Ella Fitzgerald and Duke Ellington said it best with it don't mean a thing if you ain't got that swing.、Uh, and you, you got that swing. I hope so.、Uh, you know, I, <laughs> I'm still a student of jazz and there's、yeah. so much for me to learn.、Um, however, yes, you are correct. You know, I'm studying jazz piano.、Um, I'm、mm-hmm. also studying、uh, Bossa Nova guitar as well as、mm-hmm. keeping up with my vocal lessons as well. But my piano teacher always says that when, when we were talking about swing and jazz, he's always saying, you know, when you hear music, your body has to naturally start moving. It's, it's like a dance, you know? Yeah, I mean, it started、yeah. as dance, right? Long ago、yeah. um, in the swing hall, the halls of dance halls, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think,、um, yeah, I, I try to think about that when I'm singing and, and, and sort of feel it. Yeah, yeah. Feel, feel the swing, feel the movement, and dance. You know. I want to talk about Aguje Beber by Tom Jobim. I was reminded, your version, I was reminded of the Astrid Gilberto version. For people who, who, who might not recognize that name immediately, she sang The Girl from Ipanema, which, by the way, Nancy Wilson also sang a great version of that song, Boy from Ipanema. 
Yes. <laughs> Which I'm sure you know. El undergone a lot of changes so from from up tempo and 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 big band influences to to a, a more pared down simpler closer to the original uh that you do yeah i have to say that um you know in in any great album or any great song um you know it takes a team and mm-hmm. i think arrangement is very important and Agojibebe is also a prime example. Um, all of the Bolsonaro tunes on my album were arranged by an amazing Japanese-Brazilian guitarist that's mm-hmm. based in Japan. Mm-hmm. And um, I met him before I started work on the album with Nanny. And, uh, you know, he just thought he would be a great addition to our album in terms yeah. of his arrangement. And he also plays guitar amazingly, just beautiful. And if you listen to the album, you'll see that. But um, his uh, arrangement of Agoji Bebe, I mean, it's very unique. Yes, I, I'm really happy with that song. It's, it came out quite nicely. I, I don't want to keep you too, too long, but there's a couple of a couple other songs that I want to get to very oh. quickly. Smile, the, the Charlie Chaplin blues and R&B piece. You finish with a, a, a duet. It's a duet between you and Danny Assis. In the interlude between Danny and you, this speaks directly to your, your Japanese heritage. And I think it's such a beautiful, brilliant point musically is the coda. You know, I really don't know if most people actually catch that when they hear that song, but I'm really happy that you did. Um, you are correct. The sound of the Japanese koto is there in the middle of the song between Danny and my lyrics. And uh, that was basically um, the effort of my producer again, Nanny Assis. You know, what I love about him is that he really tried to make this album uh, about me, the reflection of my identity. You know, I am not only American, but I'm also Japanese. And so um, that song is very interesting because... Uh, it's the the arrangement is not really a, a typical jazz standard arrangement. It's more of a R and B kind of um, D'Angelo type yeah. of um, treatment. But we also have Danny in the beginning singing lyrics in Portuguese, and then you have the mm-hmm. Koto um, uh, interlude, and then I come on with the English lyrics. <laughs> special because you know it was the first single that to come out uh from the album and uh it was also during the pandemic that when it came out and it really i think a lot of people when they heard that song um just really felt uplifted because they needed that that at that time you know everyone mm-hmm. was so, just so um depressed you know with what was going on in the world that um i think they needed that kind of a message so yeah very happy with that song I have to say, I found to that point, I found a wonderful safe haven in in listening to your album. It's quiet and peaceful uh, at a time when damn near everybody is just raging at us, right? To love again and 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 jazz in particular, but but especially to love again because it's got this wonderful 
open air, these beautiful negative spaces, the, these, the, the silence, and, and this is as much a credit to you as it is to the musicians and to the producers and arrangers, is what, when you need the silence, it's there. But it really, it really offers a brilliant respite from all of the chaotic noises that we're dealing with right now. I really appreciate that. Um, you know, I, as much as I keep saying that I'm, I'm a continuous student of jazz, yeah. um, one of the things I really wanted to achieve on this album is to really reflect what was going, in, uh, going on inside me, uh, what was going on um, in my life. Um, I was going through that, you know, f- that uh, phase of transformation from yeah. trying to turn something negative into yeah. positive. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I think in the beginning of, of producing this album, um, the idea was more about romantic love. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the songs, well, basically all of the songs is about some aspect of love. But um, I think the meaning of, of the album sort of started to evolve from there. I think the pandemic really hit home uh, in a lot of ways yeah, yeah. It made me feel and, and also politically, right? We were so divided in this country, still still are divided and also overseas as well in, in mm-hmm. the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the idea of loving each other, you know, we really need more of that. Indeed. And then I think lastly, it's really about finding love in yourself, you know, because I think when I was going through my divorce and that difficult time, it was really hard to... Um, feel confident. I lost, I lost my confidence. I lost my sense of self. And so um, this album really helped me to find myself again and, and feel confident and feel positive about myself. And I think if you are able to love yourself, then you can love others. I think that comes through very strongly in the album. Greg Martin from the Kentucky Headhunters. I, I just did a, a piece with him. Their new album, uh, they do a cover of a Rick, Rick Derringer song called Cheap Tequila, which comes off the original, at, you know, 21, 22, 23, whatever he was when, when, he, when he wrote it. it. It comes off young and, and a little bit brash, but filtered through the prism of age. And Greg and I talked about this at length. The experience and, and heartache takes on this melancholic innocence, even, even a lesson and, and, a, and a certain sweetness. So my question to you is, and and... I'm going to throw Love Dance off the album into this, the Ivan Lins song that uh, that has this sort of powerful line, Love Learns to Dance, which which I think I think really kind of speaks to your your sense of healing through the music. From too much talk to silent touches. We turned our hearts to love, then tried it First time romance Turn up the quiet Love learns to dance are totally right. Um, Love Dance is, uh, I think, if I were to make sure that uh, what what song I really wanted on that album was this song. Yeah. Um, it's one of the first songs that um, I actually sang when I was first starting out. Um, wow. And uh, I really wanted to have this on the album. Um, I didn't hear it from Yvonne Linz initially. I actually heard um, Carmen McRae's rendition of it. Uh, mm-hmm. I and I saw a uh, video of her performing it in Tokyo. It was probably the latter um, part of her life before she passed. Um, and uh, initially for this album, uh, the first arrangement was much more of a funk ballad, which is kind of what Ivan Linz did in his um, rendition. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, for me, I wanted really to have a more um, slow ballad uh, treatment. Um, I was thinking more about the idea of 
you know, in the old days being in a jazz club, smoky jazz club, and, you know, you're yeah. on the stage and it's tiny, tiny, but lots of people there and you can, you know, almost see their faces while you're singing. And then you can hear the clinking of the ice cubes and, people's <laughs> and, you know, that kind of intimate feeling is what I wanted from this ballad. I mean, it's a whopping seven plus minutes. I mean, it's kind of, yeah. most people are like, ah, we don't play, you know, songs that long anymore, but like you, uh, there are a lot of people that have come up to me and said that they really love that song. It's a beautiful, um, beautiful song. Yeah, Pete Levin is the pianist on that, and he yeah. arranged it. And I think it's just exactly what I was looking for. It's no, so you've cool. you've got a you've got a classic there. It, it's it's a wonderful, wonderful song with with lines like uh, "Old dreams find young wings." There's just so much. There's just so much in that. Oh, yes. And I think at the time when I chose it, it was also the idea of, you know, you you have heartache, heartbreak, you know, you wonder after 15 years of marriage, I thought, okay, will I ever find love again? You know, you, yeah. you sort of worry about those things. And, and I think this song really um, kind of gives you hope that that it is possible to love again. And when you do love again, it is so special because uh, you really appreciate things much more now, you know, because after you've lost love, uh, when you gain it again, you realize that it's really a blessing and you really are grateful. Have your, uh, have your son, or your, one of your sons plays on the album. Exactly. So my boys have been very patient with mom when she was trying to get this album done. <laughs> I was so busy. And, and, and my younger son actually knows all the lyrics to my songs because nice. I was, well, you know, uh, unfortunately for him, as he was growing up, uh, as a bedtime, uh, rather than a bedtime story, I would actually have a bedtime song. Uh -huh. So I would sing sing jazz tunes or bossa nova tunes to him. Uh, part of it was also practicing, but also part of it was just, you know, trying to lull him to sleep. Yeah, yeah. And so surprisingly, it's stuck in his brain and he knows all the lyrics, which is kind of crazy. But also my older son, you mentioned, um, he's a student at Berklee College of Music now, um, mm -hmm. kind of musician himself. And uh, he plays the drums on uh, There Will Never Be Another You. So it kind of became a family affair because Danny Assis, who sings on two of the songs on the album, is the son of my producer, Nanny Assis. Uh-huh. And Jen, my son, is also playing drums uh, on the album, too. So it's uh, very special in that way as well. Kind of setting up a musical legacy. The Partridge family? I don't know. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I, we, you know, my older son and you I... You just need to look for a bus now. <laughs> we have gig together pre-pandemic. So uh, if he's not embarrassed to have me um, uh, post-pandemic, I'm happy to perform with him. I think he's the one that's going to be leading the way now. I'll be following in his footsteps. <laughs> All right. Uh, so last last question. Uh, any uh, And uh, I, I searched and searched on karunasings.com and didn't see any tour dates yet, uh, but any, any plans for, for any upcoming shows or tour dates or? Yes, great question. So I don't have any tour dates yet, mm -hmm. but uh, right now I have my younger son um, who is still a junior in high school. So he has another year at home with me. And uh, so right now I'm kind of focused on trying to uh, get him prepared to leave the nest, so mm -hmm. to speak. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm kind of more working on a project basis. Um, and uh, I have one that I'm working on right now with my uh, jazz piano teacher. And uh, it's kind of an interesting project where we're going to deal with some Japanese folk songs and give a jazz twist to them. So wow. um, I think uh, hopefully we'll, we'll get to do a show uh, on that um, mm -hmm. shortly. Um, so I'll let you know when that happens. Please. And then please come back on the show. We'll, we'll talk about it and play that music uh, and, uh, and we'll record it. Would love to. Thank you. <laughs> uh, An Elixir for Troubled Times, Grunish and Show's album, To Love Again, is nominated for Jazz Album of the Year at the 35th Annual Whammy Awards in Washington, D.C. on March 26th. Her website is karunasings.com. Follow Karuna Shinsho on Facebook and Instagram. We will link to those sites and to our website, as well as the whammiesdc.org site in the notes below. Karuna Shinsho, you are absolutely wonderful.
Thank you so much. I really had so much fun um, talking to you today, and I hope we can uh, meet in person someday. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was just in Washington, D.C. a couple of years ago, as a matter of fact. So uh, this gives me, gives me and the wife a reason to come back. Quando a dor te torturar e a saudade I'd like to thank my guest, Karuna Shincho. A link to her website, Instagram, and Facebook are in the notes below. And while you're there, please don't forget to subscribe to this program. Quando nada mais restar do teu sonho encantador, sorri. Quando o sol perder a luz E sentires uma cruz Nos teus ombros Cansados, doridos Sorri, vai mentindo a tua dor E ao notar que tu sorrires Todo mundo irá Sky, you get by.